Good morning. Happy 4th of July. Well, the sun didn't come out until not too long ago, so I promise we won't keep you out here too long if you start sweltering and, and melting into the chairs. I'll cut it quick. Uh, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be concluding our, our series that we've entitled A Better Life, The Beatitudes of Jesus. And it's kind of fitting that it's taking place on the 4th of July. I thought originally I was kind of debating whether I should, uh, you know, share something that's specifically for, you know, freedom and the 4th of July. But then I really thought this fit together. You know, we sit here and we enjoy a day. We have barbecues. I can smell the barbecues while we're sitting we enjoy our time with our family. Later on, there'll be fireworks, and it's a celebration. But there is an awareness distant that what we're enjoying had a great cost to it. And maintaining freedom has a great cost to it. I'd like to see hands just of how many have children or know someone who is in the military right now. Okay, that's quite a bit of people. And I know some of us, they're not with us today because they are serving. Some might be in North Carolina, Texas, some Afghanistan, Iraq, different places of the world. But we sit here and we enjoy this freedom and the ones we love are away keeping it. And it was the same at the beginning when we got our independence, and it was bought with the blood of young men and women. And so we know freedom is not cheap. It has a cost to it. And my heart goes out to all of you who have family. My heart goes out to you veterans who have served, and we are thankful. And I want to acknowledge that and be mindful of that as we celebrate this day that we would understand the, the, the depth of what we celebrate. And you see, we now move into the final episode of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And he talks about persecution and we see that there is a cost to living a right life and following after Jesus as well. And it's something that we, we need to recognize. It's something that we need to understand. It's amazing, you know, as we've gone through these things over the last few months, it's interesting how Jesus presents himself. You know, if you were into marketing, you wouldn't use this plan. He, he's, not, he's not really presenting this gospel, this new kingdom that he's presenting the way that we are used to hearing it. I mean, he starts off with, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then he tops that off with, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And then he ends it with, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. That's not inviting, you know. Who wants to join that? Who wants to be poor in spirit, mourn, and be persecuted? Come on, you know, we don't see the throngs coming down. Oh, no, my notes. 
We don't see throngs of people coming down to, to join something like that. And you see, we like to sell things. And we try and sell the gospel. If you watch television, evangelists, you know, you, you get this idea from so many people that it's, everything's better once you just accept Jesus. We don't care about the poor in spirit, the, the mourning, the persecution. That, that's not the emphasis. We, we try and make it look nice. We put on a good face. We, we make it up and, and try and make it appealing. I remember when I used to sell lumber, I was actually working in the lard and transitioning into salesperson. And I had this small unit of lumber that was like one of my first sales. And so I got the unit and I started what we call cherry packing it. You start making it look really good. You get the good pieces and you put them on top. That way when the customer gets it, they go, oh, this is good. And so I kind of like, you know, all right. And I remember Pete, the owner, says, you know, that's not really a good thing to do. They're going to, you know, get through that and say, well, what happened? I go, no, it looks good. You know, it's, it's going to be great. And sold the lumber. And sure enough, I get a phone call. You know, the top looked great, but what happened? You know, underneath it looked terrible. And it's like, I, I made it look nice. But once you start getting into it, you found that this was just like regular lumber that he was buying. And so the oversell when you got into it causes the person to question. And I think we do the same thing with our faith sometimes. We oversell this, trying to make it appealing. And Jesus never did that. He, he wanted us to know what we were getting into. The authenticity of life and what this was about was very important to him. And these Beatitudes was his stepping stone to what his kingdom looked like. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. And now, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When you think of the word persecution, it's not a catchphrase for all the difficulties that we go through. I mean, we, we really don't understand persecution. And especially for righteous sake. You know, we think that persecution is anytime someone is against us. You know, I'm being persecuted at work. Oh yeah, it's got to be because you're a follower of Christ. It has nothing to do that you're always late and you don't do your job well. It's just because of your faith, right? You see, and, and that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about any time you go through a difficult situation, you're being persecuted. And let's face it, sometimes we're just getting what we deserve. Sometimes we're arrogant and we wonder why people respond to us the way they do. Sometimes we're forceful and kind of a little bit belligerent, obnoxious. 
And, and if we were on the other side, we would probably treat us the same way. We would probably be a little bit irked with us. I, I know that when I first became a follower of Christ, I had a lot of just zeal. I, I just was full of wanting to just make this everyone know about this. And I was also very lacking in knowledge. And so zeal and lack of knowledge are not a good combination. And I remember saying things, and I think back, and I was like, oh my gosh, what was I saying? Why was I talking so forcefully to my grandparents and letting them know, you know, you're going to go to hell? It's like, oh, thanks, Merry Christmas to you too, you know. Here's your present, you know. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I just thought I'd give you this gift, you know. Uh, there's wisdom that needs to be presented in how we talk about our faith. And then when people get upset at us because we are obnoxious, we take it as persecution. When really we're, we're just getting what we deserve. One summer, I was playing softball and we went on vacation, the family. But we were in the championship and we were playing down in Chino and I remember wanting to go to the championship game because we're in the championship. My team needs me. They didn't really need me. I just wanted to play. And I remember telling my wife, hey, I'm going to go play softball. And I remember she was not happy with that because I left her with the four children you know, and my family and I'm going to go play softball. And Went and played softball, and I remember diving back to first base to try and keep from getting picked off, and I sprained my shoulder. And I knew something was wrong. When I dove, I just felt it tweak, and I stood up. At first, it was like, ah, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. And later on, it's like I couldn't move my shoulder. And I'm like, oh, no. I know that when I get back, I'm going to have to face my wife. And so I'm thinking, I can pull it off. You know, ah, oh, no, I can't even, I can't even, you know, unbutton my shirt. It's like, oh, no. And I get back to the place where we're staying. And I'm trying not to, you know, look like I'm in total pain, but it doesn't last. And she goes, what's wrong? No, well, I sprained my shoulder, you know. And I didn't get the sympathy that I knew she owed me the day she said, I do, you know. That was her obligation. I got, I knew it. You know, it's like, okay, you knew better. You did it. You deserve it. And sometimes that's how it is with us. You know, we know better. We just do it and we deserve it. That persecution that we get, that attitude that we get, just because we're being obnoxious. We're not being mindful. We're just being stubborn or prideful and Jesus is not talking about being persecuted because you're right he's talking about the rightness of being he's talking about being a person who is right on the inside and it translating in the things that you do he's also not talking about people who are just persecuted and the innocent people who suffer it doesn't say blessed are those who are persecuted, period, but persecuted for righteousness' sake. 
a lot of times we want to say that we're being persecuted, our faith is being persecuted because we are trying to move forward our cause in a, a political or powerful way, and then we're surprised when people politically or powerfully try to oppose us. That's not what he's talking about. If you're going to assert yourself in that way, you have to expect that opposition. That's not what he's talking about. Or those people who are just in the wrong place at the wrong time, suffering because of violence that is around the world. I mean, we live in a world of violence, whether it's in Israel, in Palestine, in Turkey, Pakistan, in Sri Lanka, they have children, 12, 15 years old, who are soldiers, who are fighting. And when they're asked, why, are they, why do you get children to fight? It's easy. They don't argue. We don't have to pay them. And when you tell them to kill, they just do it. And it's unbelievably horrific, the things that are taking place, the people who are suffering in situations. But that's not what Jesus is addressing here. That, that's not his focus. Scripture talks about those things in other places. But here what he's talking about is righteousness living a life that has a standard that is higher that people will notice, deciding to make choices that represent the virtues and being held accountable for those choices in a negative way. That's what he's talking about as far as the persecution here. You know, it's blessed are those who, who make the choices that represent those values, the highest of values, those values that are hard and lead to hard circumstances. You know, it's interesting because this isn't what we would think of when we think of blessing. You know, our, our idea of blessing are, are, I'm blessed because the Lakers won. I'm blessed because the dress was on sale. I'm blessed because I got the parking spot that was right near the front door. Oh, bless God. But that's not what we're seeing here. It isn't a, a selfish, self-satisfying. It, it's blessed are you when you choose that higher path. When you choose a life that is elevated, that seeks to do the right thing in God's eyes. And it's interesting because he never repeats himself throughout this. We have blessed are the poor in spirit. They will receive the kingdom of heaven. They will be, uh, they will be filled. Blessed are those who mourn. They will be comforted. They will, uh, you know, receive mercy. They will be called the, the sons of God. He, he has all these blessings, but here in the last one, he repeats himself to the first one. And I don't think it's because he was running out of things to say. I, I think Jesus is kind of coming full circle saying, if you start off with a life that is poor in spirit, that is recognition of God, you are going to end with a life that is persecuted. And so if you begin here and you end here, you need to understand the kingdom of heaven belongs to you. This is all part of that. In fact, righteousness is repeated here. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness 
will be filled, and here who are persecuted for righteousness, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so if you hunger and thirst for this right standing with God, know that it is going to lead you to a place of persecution. But this is all-encompassing in what God is trying to do within your life. And if you will have this goal, this mindset, then you will be blessed for living a life that people will see and recognize and understand God's goodness in you. Now, he also expands on this last one. And he doesn't do it on the other ones, but he goes on and he says, verse 11, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. He's warning them what's going to happen. He's kind of giving them the heads up. He knows what's over the horizon, not only for them, but for himself and for his followers. People who will be put into the lion's you know, uh, into the Colosseum to, to be eaten by lions. People who will be set up on, on crosses and set on fire just to light the city. People who will be persecuted because of their faith in other countries. He, he's setting the, sta the stage of what is going to happen. And he tells them, all these things are going to happen because of me. Verse 12, he says, Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. In other words, he's saying, this isn't new. Whenever someone chooses to live a life of higher standard, this is what is going to happen. It is what's happened before and it is what will happen again. Because you are raising the level of what it means to be a human being created in the image of God, living for God. And when you take that stand, it is going to cause people to be hostile towards you. I remember in, in school, there was this one kid, I don't remember his name, but we had this art time. It was in sixth grade and everyone had to make this craft. And I was making some tanks, I think, that were blowing up some people. And I thought they looked really good because I could do tanks good. That was all I could do, you know. I, I thought they were good. And so I was drawing these tanks, and I was drawing this little army scene, and I was like, yeah, I'm into it. And then there's this other kid, and he had this cutout of a fish out of paper, and then he had this tissue paper with multicolors underneath it. And it looked amazing. And I hated him because, it, you know, there on the board, you know, everyone's project is up and, and there's my little pencil drawing with the tanks and the stick men. And there's you know, Mr. Rembrandt, you know, and his little fish thing. And it's like, you know, you just showed me up, buddy. You see, his ability... To, to do artwork, his creativity showed my lack of creativity. And you see, our lives being lived for righteousness shows the lack of righteousness 
in other people's lives. And it creates hostility. Because we are saying this is what it means to live a life that God has called us to live. You know, Jesus never quoted the Ten Commandments. He gave allusion to them on different places. I shouldn't say allusion. He, he talked about loving the Lord your God and loving your neighbor as yourself, but he never recited the Ten Commandments. And you see, the Ten Commandments are, are the bottom of what it means to live in a society. This is the starting ground. This is what we need to have so that a society can function. Don't kill each other. Don't take each other's wives. Don't steal from each other. I mean, you need those things. That's the bottom level to, to being civil. But you see, the Beatitudes are the higher level of what it means not only to be civil, but to be the child of God, to be called his son, his daughter, to be able to be pure in heart, to see God, to have his kingdom belong to you. This is the standard that he wants us to live, to be merciful, to be peacemakers. This is what he's calling us to. And he tells us, don't be surprised, but... Isn't it surprising? Who would want to hurt someone who is meek, who is merciful, who's a peacemaker, who's hungering or thirsting to do the right thing? Why would you want to persecute someone like that? Because that's standing up against maybe where we are exposes who we are. And that's the, the problem with Jesus is he exposes who we really are when we see who he really is. And as we start living this life, we will be persecuted because of those things. Even though it seems, why would anyone persecute someone for doing these things? There's so many stories uh, of people who are in countries that are predominantly, you know, Muslim or, or have other faiths. And these Christians come in and they start taking care of the needs of those who are homeless and they're beat up and kicked out of town. Why? Because they were helping people. And you think, why? Because they were threatened. If you live this kind of life, it exposes our kind of life. And we need to put a stop to that. And so we shouldn't be surprised when these things happen because that's what it happens when you raise the bar of what it means to be human being. You see, if you don't want to be persecuted, live a mediocre life. Live an average life and you will be fine. You will be left alone. Just choose vanilla. Stay at the Ramada Inn. There was a song about the Ramada Inn. It used to say, mediocre, it's in there somewhere between good and bad. And when you leave, you won't quite believe what an average time you had. It's not a, a beautiful place and it's not the bottom of the line. It's just kind of a room and that's all that it is. You want to be left alone? Stay in the fringes, just live in that little gel of the middle. If you want to make an impact, then you have to live an extreme life, whether it's good or bad. 
You see, it's the Stalins, it's the Hitler, it's the Mansons that make the impact. I'm not saying to be like them, but it's also the opposite that make an impact. Those who live a life of righteousness with God. In fact, Jesus goes on. We usually stop there, but he goes on and presents this. In verse 13, he says, you are the salt of the earth. But the salt loses its saltiness. How can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a, its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You see, you are called not to just be okay. You are called to be the light of the world. You are called to be the salt of the earth. You are called to be that extreme, to live a life of righteousness that people will see, and it will either draw them to the truth or it will provoke them to hostility. Because of who you represent. Not because you're obnoxious. Not because you're stubborn. Not because you want to be right. Not because you want to prove yourself. But because you live right. And they cannot deny a life that they see. Why? Because it is salt. It is light. And it honors your Father in heaven. And so as Jesus comes around to the end of this sermon. He ends it with a realization of what will happen if we will live for right. If we will honor God with our lives. If we will love as Jesus loved. If we will live as Jesus lived. All who are godly will suffer persecution. Not because they deserve it, but because of who they are and where the world is. And it's a challenge to us, and it's a place where we have to count the cost. Later on in Luke 14, Jesus presents this and he says, No man goes to, to build a tower, but doesn't first sit down and, and count the cost so that he'll know that he has enough material to be able to build what he has started. No person goes out to battle without first saying if with the number of men he has, he can battle the people that are out there. If he doesn't have enough, he, he'll negotiate peace so that he doesn't get trampled. And he says, unless you give everything, you can't be my disciple. What does everything mean? Everything that I am, I give to God so that he can use everything that I have for his purposes, for his goodness, for his sake. And that's the challenge that's before us, to live a life of righteousness and understand that with it will come persecution because he doesn't want us to live lukewarm. He wants us to be hot. He wants us to live extreme lives that honor him Extreme lives that loved like he loved, that gave like he gave, so that we would be known as his. Let's pray.
Father, I do desire to have a life that honors you. To live a life that is righteous. But God, that is something that is hard for me. It's contrary. It's something that we all need your help with. And so this morning, Lord, this day where we once again recognize that you've called us to something that has a cost, that you've asked us to live a life that is not rewarded for the goodness that we do, except sometimes with persecution. But it is the right thing to do, and that is why we do it. I pray, Lord, that we would live these lives that would honor you, lives that are right, lives that are sacrificial, lives that are motivated by your love. Lord, that we would recognize that even as we are meek and as we are merciful, we need mercy. As we are peacemakers, we need you to make peace with us as we hunger and thirst, Lord, for this righteousness. We need you to fill us and satisfy that. And so, God, we we do start off in a poverty of spirit, We start off in a place of humility. Lord, that is the only way that we can be identified with you. It's never by power or asserting ourselves. It's by humbling ourselves to you, by loving, by caring. Lord, might we be people that make a difference in this way. God, I pray you would bless just our time together as we Enjoy the the food and the time together, Lord. Might it be rich. Lord, might we provoke each other to live lives that are right. Might we be able to receive correction. Might Might we be willing to give it in the right spirit, in the right frame of mind, in the right attitude. Got it. We desire what you desire for us, Lord. Bless our time here, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.